Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports soccer podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host Lisa Roman, broadcaster and analyst for CBS Sports. On today's episode, we are going to have an NWSL semifinal recap. Attacking Third is presented by Delta Airlines, the official airline of the National Women's Soccer League. Keep climbing. Hello to everybody joining us live. A quick reminder that you can catch a live Attacking Third episode at the NWSL Championship. That's right. We are doing a live show. Lisa and I will be at Audi Field in Washington, D.C. on October 29th before the NWSL final. So please join us for a live pregame show with special guests and analysis. What a weekend. What a time. We can celebrate leading all the way up. The championship final is here. We've got two finalists. We're going to talk about it. We're going to chat about both semifinal matches, talk about who advanced. If you are joining us live, spoiler alert, we're going to talk about it all. Scorelines, goal scores, who actually won, who actually lost. We're going to chat about it all, and we're going to do it together, me and you, Lisa. How are you doing tonight? I am doing great. I'm coming at you live from a hotel, so apologies in advance about the spotty internet, but hey, that's what happens when you're calling games and you're traveling. But um, I'm still here and thrilled to chat with you about this, Sandra. Thrilled to be going live on Sunday night because we have two finalists heading to Washington, D.C., and we had some incredible, chaotic semifinal matches that we get to chat about and talk about. Um, And for anyone curious, yes, the Phillies did win tonight. They're headed to the World Series as well. So my heart is very happy and my heart is very full. And, of course, we got two great NWSL games because it does always come back to that. Um, But, yeah, I'm really thrilled and excited to chat with you about these, Sandra, because these were good games. And you and I haven't chatted yet about them because I was on the call for the second match tonight. So I haven't even had time to get your thoughts on it. And that's really – I'm thrilled to hear your thoughts. I'm really excited about that. Listen, I thought both of these semifinals uh, deliver. We're going to break them down one by one, but I didn't, I didn't notice that too. I look, I I don't like to bother you when you're on a call. So I was like, listen, you got to have your focus. I'm not going to like blow her up. My phone's not even on. It's it's on do not disturb. It's put away. I can't even look at anything on there. It's just like focusing on my notes on the stats and on the game. (laughs) Yeah. So I was like, let me not, she's, she's, she's working. You know, I said, we're going to work together a little bit later. Um, But, you know, watching the two of these semifinals, I absolutely thought they, they delivered. I had to, you know, hop on the that good old fashioned internet, just throw out all my takes out there, right? And and recap these these matches and talk about the takeaways. And, and if you're looking for a recap, if you like to read your recaps or or game analysis instead of listening to a show, you can go ahead and find all of that on cbsports.com. But a couple thrillers for sure. We had Portland Thorns versus uh, San Diego Wave FC in this first semifinal. Portland Thorns punching their ticket to the NWSL Championship final defeat. San Diego Wave 2-1 at Providence Park. Scenes, Lisa. Absolute scenes in this one. You know, we, we had a lot of content coming through the pipeline this week in, in celebration of the semifinals. Um, you know, we had conversations with, with Morgan Weaver, with, with players of, of all the teams leading into this one. But m- watching this game, I couldn't help but think about that interview that we had with Morgan Weaver because the confidence and the energy coming out of that interview with that player, it just it just it made me feel confident in our pick, Lisa, because we I, I believe memory serves me correct. We both went with Portland in this one. Yeah, we both went with Portland getting the win in this match. And I mean, eighth appearance for the Thorns in the playoffs and they punched their ticket um, authoritatively into the NWSL championship with the goals coming. Um, But I mean, a good fight from San Diego, right? I mean, we're going to talk about it and we're going to break it all down. I agree. I think that Morgan Weaver, she looked energetic out there. I mean, the entire Portland team looked ready to go, clicking on all cylinders. They had chances, they had opportunities. And you could tell that Providence Park was just rocking. The fans showed up for sure for this match. I, um, uh, 
I, I was absolutely just like loving everything coming in on the TV, you know, on the stream, watching it happen. And and, and the buildup to that is also, you know, the starting of the starting lineups that drop. And I think we yeah. should start there. When these two 11s dropped, again, we were doing the previews. We were curious. We're like, who's going to be lining up for who and where? You know, what's San Diego going to look like with potential question marks around some of their players, um, they're the team entering this semifinal on a 120 minutes, right, in a quarterfinal that went in extra time, going up against a Thorns team that hadn't played in about three weeks, right? They earned that semifinal bye with their uh, second-place finish in the league. Uh, so what was that going to look like? So when these two lineups dropped, I, my immediate reaction was like, wow, like Christine Sinclair is on the bench. And you know what? It didn't feel like um, this Thorns team is just so deep. That was something that, that we were talking about as well in the preview. I was like, this is really going to be a little bit of a head coaching battle for me personally in the preview that I was more intrigued in what we were going to see in uh, Wilkinson versus Stoney in this match as, as compared to certain individual matchups that we might have seen on the pitch. So watching that drop from Wilkinson, I was like, you know what? This seems, this seems fine. This seems fine. Yeah. Who wouldn't love a Christine Sinclair or a Crystal Dunn coming off the bench and available for you? Right. And then the other side of things for San Diego seemed like a, a mostly an ideal um, uh, lineup for, for Stoney, but Jakobsen slated to get the start uh, in this one. What were some of your thoughts when, when these 11s dropped? Yeah, I mean, Christine Sinclair, of course, circling that name as soon as she wasn't listed in the lineup, especially because after the availability reports came out, there was nothing nefarious or, or questionable about Sinclair and what she her role would be in this game. But um, it, it's it's so true and so telling of the depth of this Portland bench and, and what they have been able to do. Um, but it, the first playoff match in Thorne's history that Sink has not started. Christine Sinclair has not started. She did get in towards the end of this match. Um, but yeah, I think when you looked at the San Diego starting lineup, you and I talked about the game changers for the wave team in Casey Stoney's side. And I, I said that Jakobsen was a game changer coming in off the bench for San Diego against Chicago. Um, also that Doniak is a game changer off the bench, but we saw Jakobsen in for Kelsey Turnbow. Um, and I, I honestly was okay with that change because how good of a quarterfinal match Jakobsen had. And, and that's what Casey Stoney wanted in this match to be on the front foot, to come out with an attacking prowess. And that was having Jakobsen in the starting lineup. Um, also for Portland, Yasmin Ryan. We talked about her coming off the bench yeah. and being a game changer for Rian Wilkinson. She ends up getting the start alongside Smith and Weaver. Um, and and to see Sauerbrunn, Hubley in the back, and then uh, Germa, of course, holding it down defensively in the center back alongside uh, Real for San Diego Wave. But, I mean, I think that was the biggest one, right? Jakobsen coming in and then Sink uh, being on the bench to start this game. But um, to see how this game unfolded and how it got off to an incredibly quick start, an incredibly quick start. I mean, both of these matches tonight, a quick start. But the opening goal coming from – San Diego, it's Taylor Korniak on an assist from Alex Morgan, and it was poor defense from Portland. I am going to be very blatantly honest, very poor defense from Portland because Alex Morgan had so much time in the wide areas to pick out who she was going to target inside the box. And, of course, you're going to target Taylor Korniak on a cross-in from a wide area, and Korniak loses the defender. She had no one around her. So it was a beautiful setup. Now, if you interchange either one of those players, whether it's not Morgan on the flank or not Korniak in the center, I'm not even sure that that's a goal. That's just how beautiful and how perfectly placed it was on both ends of it. And, and for San Diego to start this match with a bang in the opening 10 minutes to get on the board first, um, I think it shocked Portland a little bit and it shook them. Now to be at home though, they have the boost of Providence Park uh, of that team and, and the response coming in the 20th minute from Rocky Rodriguez. Holy cow. Holy cow. I mean, the header from Korniak was was brilliant. I mean, like picture perfect, right? You could take a photo of that and frame it. But then the goals got better. Three well, goals in on. this match. And they progressively got better, Sandra. You know, Lisa, look, you know <laughs> that when that opening goal happened I know. against Korniak, it took everything in me 
to refrain from texting you. I said, you know what? I'll just save it for the podcast. I'm going to ask my girl about it when we get here live. But I'm sorry. This opening goal, it took them 10 minutes to break open this goal scoring. And what else was it? Morgan lifting up her head, seeing Korniak in space. And you just see Korniak just sort of drifting, wafing, in the, utilizing that position. Didn't even have to utilize any hops on this one. Just no. needed her 6-1 frame and dink, just with the header, back of the net. Talk to me about the defense on this one, Lisa. I need to hear it from you. I mean, Sandra, there's nothing really to talk about. There was no defense. Ugh. Like, they were just non-existent, right? Oh. You said it. Taylor Korniak didn't even have to jump. Alex Morgan had so much time to dribble the ball around the flank. No one from Portland closing her down. And that's a player that you cannot give that much time to. That's where it starts. And because Morgan has so much time, she can place Korniak perfectly and give her a perfect ball to her head. And, and Korniak is just sitting between Sauron and Hubley in the back line. Neither of them slide to pick her up or challenge. And, and I mean, defensively, how it should be done is everyone knows that Korniak is the tallest player on the field. Portland doesn't even have anyone to really compete or challenge against that. So on situations like that, Portland needs one defender in front of Korniak, one in behind. That way you sandwich her. You both go up and challenge, bump her off the ball, at least make it difficult because it was way too easy for the cross to come in and the header. I mean, to talk about the defense is is impossible because there was none. <laughs> I love it, period. There was none in this moment. But look, I, it didn't strike me in this moment when the wave went up, 1-0, under 10 minutes, right? It didn't strike me as a moment of panic for this Portland Thorns team. I think we saw an immediate response out of Portland from this goal. You saw that back line and that defense huddle up immediately. You saw Becky Sauron getting everybody in a huddle saying, okay, well, let's not do that again, you know? And frankly, it worked. Uh, we saw yeah. what? It took around a dozen minutes or so to have uh, this uh, this equalizer uh, take place for the Thorns. And my goodness, what an absolute stunner from Rocky Rodriguez, outrageous volley to just sort of scorch the back of the net for the equalizer here. Fantastic stuff on this goal. I mean, this goal was so incredibly fantastic. Um, it was a, a poor giveaway in the midfield. Um, and then as this ball comes down, um, a corner kick, for Portland then as this play developed and, and this was a set piece opportunity and, and the Korniak goal also um, coming from a wide area service into the box. And that's what this was for Portland and San Diego can't clear it cleanly. And, and actually as it's bouncing towards Rodriguez, um, her first touch is, is not as great maybe as she would have wanted because the ball goes straight up in the air. That is no problem for Rocky Rodriguez though, because this volley that she took oh. was a, Look. Goal of the weekend for sure, because it was so incredible. How, like, I don't even know how she did it. Go to Attacking Third YouTube. It was watch the highlights because it's fantastic. It's so funny that you mentioned that first touch too, because it was so good that it looks like just like she planned it. Like, that's exactly yeah. how she wrote it out and how she planned it. Um, but even in that, even in that sense, maybe it should be considered like you know, one of those sort of top 10 goals, right? On the sports center type goals where it's just to sort of have the presence of mind to be like, well, it's a awkward touch. Let me still make the most of it. And then still doing that. Absolutely brilliant. I think it, it completely negated that kind of uncharacteristic, uh, you know, sort of early goal that they conceded in this game at home. Um, and it, it's one of those goals that completely not only does it like hit the reset button for another team in terms of momentum, it's it's one of those goals where it's like you really just sort of continue to take control of the game moving forward. I thought the first half was pretty good in terms of the action that we saw uh, pretty end to end. But by the time halftime rolled around, it was it was mostly like fairly even in offensive stats in this game. You know, San Diego narrowly kind of winning some of those first uh, first half uh, offensive statistics. You had the total shots 
you know, seven for San Diego compared to the six by Portland. Uh, you know, they had the four attempts on target compared to three from from the Thorns. So it was very we're talking like very narrow margins uh, for these two teams as they went level into second half. And for me, it just heightened that like head coaches battle for me even more because because of those narrow margins and because of the even score line, I was like, okay, who is going to make the adjustment first? And like, who are we going to see it from? And what are we going to see, um, you know, in, in, in the pitcher and during the game. And so watching this game get started in the second half, Lisa, I felt Thorns did a really good job of presenting some pretty good pressure in the early mm-hmm. phases of this game. And because of that, think it sort of forced Casey Stoney's hand a little bit early. Well, not early, but first, we'll just say first. It forced her hand first. So both both coaches making some substitutions here around the same time. So you had Mackenzie Doniak coming on in for Jaden Shaw, and then we had Crystal Dunn coming on in for Rocky Rodriguez about two minutes apart, just, just around the hour mark here. Uh, and I think, needless to say, these are two players, I think, for these teams who have had uh, you know, significant roles for for their teams in general. But Doniak has been a player that has really been bringing it on for the San Diego Wave side, particularly during the second half of the season for me. And then you had somebody in Crystal Dunn who's an outstanding uh, soccer player, but some but she's someone who's been building up her minutes with the Thorns team over the last uh, four to five appearances or so. Really, we started seeing her get into action around September or so uh, with the Thorns. So I was very curious as to what we were going to see out of this half from, from these two particular substitutions. Yeah, I think starting the half, um, it it was definitely even. And that's kind of why we saw these substitutes happening just around the hour mark. Um, As you mentioned, San Diego bringing in Doniak first and then just a few minutes later, Dunn coming in because the the coaches realized like they needed something to shake it up. And and Shaw was... um, uh, the Shaw and Doniak played very differently. Um, Shaw is incredibly technical. She's incredibly young, right? 17 years old for this side. Yeah. Um, she has a nose for the goal, though. She can get into those options. She's quick, and she's got a great touch on the ball. Now, Doniak, much more physical. She's going to go in and body up against a player, receive the ball at her feet, hold it up, allow the play to develop a little bit, drop it back, and then that allows San Diego's midfield to find someone like Morgan. And and this match between Portland and San Diego was so physical that bringing in Doniak for Casey Stoney was a fantastic substitute. Um, it just provides that physical presence, especially in the attacking end, that, it, frankly, San Diego needed to relieve some of the pressure off Morgan because Morgan was getting banged around. She was getting stuck in so many tackles and just being attacked from every which way. So to add that physical presence in Doniak, great move by Stoney. And then um, to take out Rodriguez, the goal scorer, Rian Wilkinson does that and and brings in a Crystal Dunn, um, almost a a like-for-like substitute in that way in terms of their attacking presence and what they're able to do. Now, Crystal Dunn is much more comfortable on the ball, dribbling at defenders and going forward, whereas Rodriguez is really going to be that link and that connector, um, uh, taking only one, two touches and then getting rid of it. But we saw a shift happen after that 60-minute mark because Dunn was getting on the ball more, creating a lot of chances. I think that Portland shift as soon as Dunn came in, uh, Dunn provided so much more in the attacking presence of the field uh, that allowed her to be more attacking minded and less defensive minded in the role that she was in because she was creating and contributing in those chances. So it gave an offensive spark to Portland in that substitute in the 67th, 62nd minute with Dunn. Yeah, 100 percent. I'm in agreement with you. And sort of seeing that shift, that counteracting shift, I I thought that maybe we would see a, a couple more substitutions from, you know, by Stoney. And, and we did, but they were so late in the game. I, I was very surprised, a little disappointed to not see Amira Ali come into this game a little bit, um, you know, a little bit earlier, quite, quite frankly. I, I don't think that's a player that you keep, um, you know, for, for that late. But, you know, in, in the timing 
of in the tempo in, in, in which this game was taking place, we saw a little bit of a shift, right? That early kind of phase of pressure in the second half that Portland brought on, that that Dunn continued to help uh, facilitate and generate. We saw San Diego try to steal some momentum a little bit, maybe in those closing 10 minutes of, of, of regulation and, we started to see and get the feeling, right? At least I did. I said, oh, are we, are we going to have, you know, another possibility of extra time? And what is San Diego going to look like if they have to play another playoff game with extra time? And perhaps that was some of the rationale around having somebody like, you know, an Ali or, or a Pogarts coming in, you know, late into the game. To, to perhaps have the legs to, to chase, uh, you know, in an extra time scenario. But you know what? It just just never got there because chaos o'clock, my favorite time. <laughs> my favorite time is chaos o'clock. It's, 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 it's 90 minute plus whatever stoppage time. And my goodness, this, this could not have been any more prophetic, quite frankly, <sighs> And the game winner going to Crystal Dunn in 90th plus three minutes of stoppage time. Outstanding and outrageous scenes. You love to see it. Five months after giving birth, not only is she back playing professional soccer and with the United States women's national team, but she's checking into a game in the 60th minute, completely changing everything and then getting the game winner to advance her team into the NWSL championship. Um, And she does it with such ease. That's like the coolest thing about it. It's effortless. It is from within. It's because Dunn is just so talented that she is able to get this goal and and create this opportunity for Portland to advance because Kaylin Sheridan, goalkeeper for San Diego, was putting up some huge, huge stops, six saves throughout this match. And and this one uh, was never going to be saved. It was a similar setup to the Rocky Rodriguez goal in, in the sense that it a both volley, but yes, both both of them fantastic. Now Rodriguez's goal, weird first touch, so the ball goes straight up in the air and it becomes a clean volley for Rodriguez. This one, Dunn is able to get a great touch to settle it, and then it's a half volley um, into the the upper ninety corner. I mean, Sheridan didn't have a chance, and you knew as soon as it left her foot. Dunn knew as soon as it left her foot that it was finding the back of the net. Um, Chills like that goal gave me chills. I'm telling you, the goals in this oh. match from Corniak to Rodriguez to Dunn, they got better as the match went on, and they were they were playoff goals. They were chaos playoff goals. Both of these goals by the Portland Thorns, also coming off of like like fractured or like broken set pieces, mm-hmm. like off of these corner kicks, right? That didn't necessarily get. Uh, you know, cleared away. And I just, that's another like bit of an X factor that a team has is they're going into a championship final now, like things that you're going to look for to try to have those extra advantages against the opposition, but just unreal of a moment. Just, and, and it just is, like I said, it couldn't have, it couldn't have been any more, um, couldn't have been written any better right unless it was written by a prophet and i'm just kind of like thinking back to this it's just it just is it's just an absolute maddening scenario that you have an athlete that exists in on earth right now who just gave birth to a child in may and somehow comes into this moment and provides not just the goal but the game winner in this mm-hmm. one it's crystal dunn that's marcel's mama getting the game winner outstanding uh we love to see it and you know it it, it was it was a it was a very very special moment quite frankly i, I just don't know if if any of us you know covering this or uh you know doing all of the work running for for previewing and talking about it and making picks could have ever made that kind of prediction um, so to just sort of see it happening uh, in in real time is uh, is very 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 special. And look, a player, an athlete like Crystal Dunn, only looks like 
she's going to be getting stronger as she continues to get more time on the pitch. And it's just, I don't, that type of goal and that type of moment, it's so difficult. I think if you're the opposition to try to come back from that, even with the, the extra added stoppage Mm -hmm. time on top of the stoppage time, if you're San Diego wave. Oh yeah. There was so much time at the end of this. I, as I think it was four minutes added on, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but it, at the end of this, that's when the, the stoppage time goal was scored by Dunn. It came in the 90th minute plus three. And this team continued to play on for like another two, three, four minutes. And you were expecting the whistle to blow at any point, um, but but it just didn't. And as the full 90 went on, yes, I think it was pretty even overall between these two. But the progression and the pressure from Portland as the match continued got heavier and got stronger. Um, Smith found herself on the ball a lot in this game before she was subbed out and, and getting into those half spaces, pulling off Germa along San Diego's back line, picking up the ball. Um, this Portland side looked like they knew what they wanted. They they were clicking on all cylinders. They knew how to attack. But I think Bella Bigsby had a great game, three saves in this match. But um, I, I think the biggest one coming – at the end of the first half and and to go into the halftime at a one, one because of that huge save from Bigsby at the very end of the half. I think that helped Portland with their momentum and and their game plan for the second 45 minutes. Absolutely. Had to be a winner. There had to be a loser. It's the playoffs. That's how things shake out. Uh, San Diego's historic season coming to an end in the NWSL semifinal, uh, we bid them farewell from the postseason, uh, making history all along the way. Uh, California expansion side, uh, California team making uh, the playoffs for the first time in their inaugural season. So many uh, end of the year award nominations as well. You know, rookie of the year, MVP, defender of the year, goalkeeper of the year, coach of the year. It goes on and on and on. I mean, I'm really impressed with the run that San Diego went on this year. I think that it, it's only right to kind of give them a shout out at the end of this recap, because um, this is a team that sat at the top of the standings in their very first year for 10 straight weeks yep. in, in this league. That is incredibly competitive. They made it not only into the playoffs, but they hosted a first round playoff. They made it to the semifinal. Um, uh, in our preview, we talked about how it, it it might have been time for the magic to run out, but the magic was there for the San Diego side all season. The fact that they even made it this far yeah. is a huge accomplishment for every single player on that team. Um, but just, it, I think the lack of depth of San Diego's bench and injuries, maybe plaguing them a little bit towards the end of it, uh, showed in this match and the experience of a Portland side with their fan base around them. Uh, but it was a fantastic run for San Diego in this inaugural year. Yeah, it was uh, it was exciting to to cover them through through the regular season and also this postseason as well. But uh, meeting their end at uh, at Portland or against Portland in Portland, two one the final scoreline in that one. Portland Thorns were the first to stake their place in the NWSL Championship final. But we've got one more game to get through to talk about who they'll be meeting in that championship final, and we will do that right after a quick break. Welcome back to Attacking Third and here at Attacking Third on CBS Sports. We're committed to bringing you the best of the best from around the National Women's Soccer League. And we cannot do that without being able to travel to get you the stories that you all enjoy. But the best stories aren't the ones that we tell you. They're the ones you live. Meeting people in person, facing challenges face to face and getting out of your hometown and your comfort zone. Delta knows how important it is to see a different point of view from a different point of view. So for those who want their own story to tell, Delta Airlines has a world full of places to start. Delta Airlines, the official airline of the National Women's Soccer League. You love to hear it. You love to see it. You know, there's an NWSL championship coming up pretty soon on October 29th where we're going to do a live show. And I'm just saying, like, if you are making plans to head on out to D.C., maybe you need an airline, and maybe that airline is Delta. Who knows? You sure do. If you're not coming from the East Coast, hop on Delta, get yourself to D.C., watch the championship, because we know the two teams headed there, and you can come see an Attacking Third live show. I mean, how else would you want to spend the last weekend in October? 
Yeah, exactly. That's really why people are coming to D.C. last I heard, perhaps. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Who else is going to join the Portland Thorns and us in D.C., Lisa? We had to find out with O.L. Reign and Kansas City Current. These two teams going head-to-head at Lumen Field in Seattle, Washington. This one ending 2-0, and it's Kansas City Current. Going to the NWSL Championship Final after defeating O.L. Reign in the semifinal again we talk about scenes lisa mm-hmm. let's keep talking about these scenes kansas city putting together a the season that they have been putting together and b doing all of this in the postseason on the road it's been uh it's been delightful to to cover we have to talk about the game and how they made this happen just like we did with with Portland and San Diego, let's talk a little bit about these starting 11s. When when these lineups dropped, Lisa, did anything, uh, you know, reach out to you and move you? Did it, did you look at any of them and say this is interesting or how is this going to work? What did you think when you saw these starting 11s? Well, just one change for Laura Harvey's side from the last time Elverine played October 1st. Um, but I mean, that's not unusual. Out of 22 games, Elverine had 21 different lineups um, and, and all the heavy hitters for OL Reign out on the pitch to start with Haitama, Lavelle, Rapino, Balser, Fishlock, Quinn, Huerta, Cook, Hyatt, Barnes, Tolis Joyce. Like, honestly, all 11 players, um, yep. the true heavy hitters for this OL Reign side. So no real surprises in, in what Laura Harvey was throwing out there. I mean, it, it's a lot of what we expected heading into this one. Um, for Kansas City Current, we talked about Lavoger, uh dealing with an injury. She is yeah. reported to have torn her ACL. So we knew she was unavailable for this match. Um, and that Desiree Scott, after serving her suspension in the quarterfinal for Kansas City against Houston, she was back and available. So um, not too surprised to see Scott back in and Lavoje out just based on availability report and, and understanding. But um, looking at how these teams lined up, uh, I wasn't sure where Alex Luera was going to play because Lavoje played much higher up the pitch um, and Alex Luera played that defensive six in the first match for Kansas City against Houston. But that's Desi Scott's role, that defensive yeah. six midfield. And when, when looking at O.L. Reigns midfield against Kansas City's midfield, I'll say it in our preview. I said that Ola Rain was going to win the midfield battle. They're just better in the midfield. And I think that Matt Potter knew that, looked at what O.L. Rain was going to bring to the table and said, we need a double pivot when we don't have the ball. And we need eight players behind the ball when we don't have the ball. Because um, the defensive game plan for Kansas City started in the first minute with Alex Luera in the midfield, along with Desiree Scott. Uh, Luera was the double defensive mid pivot alongside Scott when Kansas City was out of possession. In possession, Luera had the freedom to spring forward and, and contribute in the attack. And I think that's uh, was the most beneficial position for Luera. We've seen Luera all over the pitch for this Kansas City side. And tonight's role for Luera, probably my favorite that I've seen her in all year doing the defensive work out of possession and then in possession contributing into the attack. Um, getting the first goal in the opening four minutes of this game. Alex Laura said, I don't want rookie of the year. Keep it. I'm chasing championships, getting on the scoreboard first early for Kansas city. And again, Lisa, I had to refrain from texting you because I said, I'm going to ask her on the show. We'll just keep it for the podcast. Um, A mad scramble, a mad scramble in this moment inside the box, but it just gets past the goal line for this opening goal. What did you think in this sequence? I mean, looking at the overall playoffs that we've faced this year with the NWSL and all the teams, um, the goalkeepers have been put under pressure and we've seen mistakes being made in the opening match for San Diego, Kaylin Sheridan, Alyssa Nayer making a mistake. Um, Fallon Tullis Joyce made a mistake in this play um, on the shot coming from Luera. But if we rewind to the start of that play, um, the the balls coming in from Kansas City, they they weren't incredible crosses. There wasn't anything too ridiculous about what was happening, but there was 
it's like the OL Reign players got in each other's way and they couldn't clear it out. Quinn tries to kick it out. They can't get it through the traffic. Then uh, another player tries to kick it out and, and it can't get out and it just squirts out a little bit and Luera is there to run through it and get the shot. So the initial clearance is horrible from OL Reign because they can't get it more than three feet away from them uh, with Kaiser in the mix, Labonta in the mix, trying to, to get on top of this scrum. But then after the shot from Luera, Fallon tells Joyce it, it, she can't grab hold of it. She can't uh, jump on top of it. She gets a little bit of a touch, and then it trickles into the goal. And that's a mistake that we have not seen Fallon Tullis Joyce make this year. And, and it was um, very uncharacteristic of her as a goalkeeper that has nine shutouts, the stingiest defense in the league. And, and I, I think it says so much more about Kansas City than it does about the defensive e- errors of OL Reign because yes, there were defensive errors, but the pressure and the determination and the willingness and the ruthlessness from Kansas city to keep pounding during that play. And then for Luera to just strike it. I mean, it, what a way to start the game for Kansas city. It set the tone immediately and it, it helped Kansas city for sure get, get on the board in these opening five minutes. That's back to back playoff games that Kansas city has a goal in the opening five minutes. It's uh, it's quite the impressive stat, indeed. I I had watching again, watching it happen in real time. I was like, of course, like of course, this is how the the second semifinal uh, gets started with a very very early goal like this. Um, you know, you and I both in the preview, Lisa, going with with all rain, you know, in in this match, and and for a number of reasons, and um just sort of watching this match, especially after that, that first goal uh, again, the response from, from OL I thought was, was quite good. You know, we, we saw what they have done throughout the regular season, uh, generate attack, you know, try to, you know, uh, generate chances and, and, and facilitate that attack, uh, keep the opposition, you know, honest in, in, in that sense, but uh, just yeah. n- never, finding that equalizer and then early in the second half as well this is uh, an off the post shot by by Jess Fishlock who was celebrating a goal but the sideline AR saying nope you know not you know saying that that just rattled off the post and it was still 1-0 at that point and you know I was I was still even with I think you can have that. You could you could feel some type of way about it. Is what I'm saying. There are going to be people who feel some type of way about um, some of the chances within this this game for for the rain. Um, but there were stretches of some of this game where I thought some of the players looked a little bit nervy. That the moment was a little bit a little bit big at, at certain times. Um, and one of the things that we were talking about in the preview with going with all rain is is Look, we like the, their chances heading in into this game, but I know for me, it was easy. I was saying that it was very easy to look at some of these players and circle them and say these are players who are going to have an impact in the game. Whether that was a Jess Fishlock or a Rose Lavelle or even somebody like a Megan Rapinoe who has really who really brought it on for for club in the the later stages of the regular season. But that that's not who I was going to be looking for to have an impact in these games. I wanted to see the young players of this OL rain side, take that next step and have that next level impact in a playoff game for this team. So I was looking for, you know, a good, good performances out of, you know, uh, Sam Hyatt, you know, Bethany Balser, uh, Jordan uh, Heidema, you know, looking for these players to continue to sort of have these, these, you know, play these roles and have these impacts on, on the pitch for the team. And I didn't think there were poor, it was poor play out of all right. I just have to think that there's a certain amount of time where and when the chances aren't going your way that perhaps you start to get a little frantic in moments. And uh, it was tough to watch at times, to be quite honest, um, because it's just sort of knowing the opposition that they were facing and somebody like a Kansas City, where they could just sort of continue to play against you and stifle you and suffocate you a little bit, and then all of a sudden quickly 
quickly change the script on you, it came. It came right in the second half, Lisa. It was like watching a boa constrictor attack its prey, strangle them, and then like eat them whole. And and in the best way possible. The way Kansas City executed (laughs) their defensive game plan was exactly like that because all they did was pack players behind the ball yeah I mean it's it's like animal planet here all they did was pack their players behind the ball make it incredibly condensed centrally allow Megan Rapino to have the ball in a wide area to send those crosses in and then challenge anything that came in I mean we saw moments from Fishlock I mean as you mentioned that initial shot off the crossbar um, that she thought was in but there were moments where Fishlock found space at the top of the box we saw Rose Lavelle get one or two opportunities at the top of the box but there was just so much traffic from Kansas City dropping behind the ball and looking to pick it up and then when they did win it it was like go 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 off to the races attacking and and the the presence that Kansas City was attacking with wasn't like nine, eight players. It was like three or four while the others stayed defensively compact. And I wonder if if there was that bit of defensive compactness, compactness and restraint from Kansas City because they went up a goal in the first five minutes. So it was like, okay, we're going to stick to our game plan and move quickly in transition. But instead of our seven or eight attacking players going forward, we're going to only send three. That way – we can hold it down um, in the back line a little bit. And I, I'm, I was just so impressed with how organized Kansas City was because their formation in and out of possession was so incredibly fluid. And I got to speak with Matt Potter before this match, and I asked him about that, about how he knew his team was going to be able to rotate from one position to another, one formation seamlessly flow so fluidly. And he said he didn't know. He was hoping they would. And he put the players out there and they were sponges. They absorbed the information. They understand so well. And that's what allowed them to be so fluid going from one formational shape out of possession to with the ball attacking with different numbers than they were defending. And it was impressive to watch. I mean, Kansas City was impressive to watch tonight. There was a there was a. A few moments in, in, in this game, which you where I wondered if these were going to be momentum shifting moments. You know, we saw, um, mm-hmm. and this is maybe where I'm going to pivot to uh, the coaches' battle again because we've been talking about it all weekend, and I, I'm including this match in that as well. In, in Harvey versus Potter, uh, we saw CC Kaiser have to come out of this game uh, at the four at 45 because of a, you know, out of concussion protocol, Elise Bennett slotting in her place, I thought had an absolute great impact in this game off of the bench. Mm-hmm. It was like seamless. This, this team didn't miss a beat in terms of the chemistry on the pitch, no matter who was slotting in and slotting out for this team. Um, and we saw an additional change for, uh, for Kansas City in, in bringing off Addison Merrick and bringing on uh, Rodriguez uh, in, in, in her place. And this is also, you know, just just after this team gets that go-ahead goal, right? So I just liked – I liked the adjustments that were made by Kansas mm-hmm. City in this match against Ole Reign. Uh, disappointed that we didn't see more – substitutions mm-hmm. for 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 Harvey and and maybe a different look uh for the team kind of kind of going forward we did see Balser come out for for Vander Yacht, uh just sort of after or just ahead of the the 70th minute but um just just not enough in terms I think of uh, being able to chase chase a game that was ultimately getting away from them and there was you know this set piece that did happen there's another one of these awkward moments where people are like when is VAR going to get in here and I hate to break it your heart but VAR and goal line technology are two very different things and yes. goal line technology is what you probably wanted in this game not VAR uh, so we saw a, a goal line clearance 
that stood as the call off of a set piece. Jordan Heidema, you know, getting a little bit on it and sort of, you know, hitting with the hands in the air like that's a goal. Uh, but these these moments in which it just sort of felt like a force field was around this net against Ola Rain. And quite frankly, it had a rain, 80 French. The force field. Yes, I was just going to say the force yeah. field has a name and it is AD French. Wow, oh, our yeah. grades are the same. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Speak on it. Speak on it, Lisa. I'm giving it to you. I mean, Preach. It, it is. It, yes, it is 100% AD French because O.L. Rain was raining shots. They were raining opportunities um, because 14 corners in this game to Kansas City's two. And it was constantly Megan Rapino whipping opportunities into the box. And if if Kansas City defense wasn't getting to it first, it was French laying her body on the line, making incredible diving saves, one-handed saves. We saw so many times it was a last-minute save because Kansas City had so many bodies in the box. French couldn't even see all of the shots coming at her. Um, I mean, it was just so impressive to watch Franch seven saves in this match. And um, they were off good shots and good opportunities from O.L. Reign. I mean, at the end of this, um, I, I like to look at expected goals just because it tells you a little bit more accurately instead of shots and shots on goal. And Laura Harvey's side ending with 1.34 expected goals to Kansas City's 0.81. So Kansas City wasn't even expected to get one goal in this match, and they ended up getting two, and O.L. Reign expected at least one, perhaps uh, one and a half. We're getting close to that. Uh, It was because the pressure that O.L. Reign continued to put on. I mean, the closest opportunity coming, I think, from the corner kick where it Mace tried to get onto it. It goes off the near post. It goes up. It looks like French can't really grab it. Something happens. And then she actually hits into Luera, who ends up dropping it. And Luera makes the goal line save to get it off. Um, I I saw a couple of replays of that. I don't think it crossed the line by any means. Um, Of course, you don't know unless you're there looking at it or you got goal line technology. But I mean, probably the closest chance that they had. And it wasn't even that clean of a chance, right? Like it was a great save from Luera, but like, I, I don't know. I mean, I, the defense of Kansas city clearly outplayed the offense of OL rain and 80 French outplayed OL rain. It was, it was an outstanding performance. I think at one point I was in my live tweeting of the match. I was just like, you could just see it. Seven red bodies in a box, just collectively defending yeah against uh, the rain uh, French coming out of this game with seven saves. There's 39 clearances for Kansas city coming out of this game. Uh, you know, from, 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 and that's from, if you're looking at the other, another stat like crosses where, where the rain were serving in 47 crosses, it's, it's, uh, it's ridiculous stats. And uh, it's, it's all part of the equation. I think, right. When you sort of look at yeah. some other parts in terms of how Kansas city was able to go on the road once more and now uh, win another postseason match this time, this one means that they're going to go to the NWSL championship final. So it's set. It's set. We have our two teams. We have our big date. It's going to happen. Spooky season in full effect. Halloween weekend, October 29th. The NWSL championship final will be Portland Thorns FC against Kansas City Current. We're, of course, going to do a big preview about it. But for a couple minutes, for everyone who's taking the time tonight to join us live, let's chat a little bit about it. How do you feel about these two teams going head-to-head in the final? If you asked me in October 23rd of 2021, if Kansas City would be in the NWSL championship next year, I would have laughed. I would have laughed, not because I didn't believe that they could do it, but because Kansas City finished dead last in the league last year. They uh, had three wins on the season. And this is a team that has done a complete 180 and turned around and they have um, believed in themselves and they have bought into the program that Matt, Matt Potter brought to this club. And it is really impressive to see them lay out a game plan like we saw against OL Reign and then execute it so, so well. And to be going up against a side like Portland Thorns, I mean, yeah. uh, between Portland and San Diego, I mean, we both had Portland picked 
to win the semifinal and then to advance to this. I think that what we've seen from Portland is that they are a complete team. They fell short of winning the shield. Uh, They ended up tying that match against Gotham in which they could have walked away with the shield, but now they get a little bit of redemption heading to the final against Kansas city. Um, it's going to be a huge match. Yeah. It's it's maybe not what we predicted at the start of it. We thought Kansas city was going to finish top five back in January when we made our early predictions, but um, they are, they're finishing this one at the championship. And I'm expecting a really great game between these two teams because we've seen oh, yeah. a lot of depth, a lot of incredible individual performances from both sides. I'm so excited for it. Uh, I love that there is a, uh, you know, Midwest representation in this championship final. You love to see it. I love to see it. Uh, Congratulations. Absolutely in order for Kansas City and punching their ticket to the final. Portland Thorns making their return uh, to the championship final as well. I'm with you 100% so far on everything I, I was while I'm very impressed with the performance that we see not only just from tonight from Kansas city, but you know, the current as a whole throughout the regular season. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be enough against this Portland thorns team in the championship final. Um, they did a really good job tonight of, of team defending, being very organized uh, French coming up with a ton of massive saves, still continuing her MVP caliber type of season for this team, but it's a little bit of a different beast, right? When you've got a Sophia Smith or a Morgan Weaver or a Christine Sinclair or a Crystal Dunn or a, you know, a, a Sugita, it, the list goes on and on and on. Um, so I'm, uh, I'm a little bit curious to see how it's all going to play out and we're going to get uh, a front row seat to all the action in DC. And we are so, so excited about it. We hope you're excited about it too. Stay hyped, keep the energy going It's NWSL Championship time, y'all. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Attacking Third. Download, follow, and listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star rating and review. You can watch us, too. Subscribe on YouTube to get alerts whenever we go live. And get your tickets to the NWSL Championship in Washington, D.C. You can see us, Attacking Third, and our live show. We will be back with more coverage, exclusive interviews, for the NWSL Championship Final. For Sandra Herrera and Lisa Roman, this was Attacking Service.